Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, we have Doug Brignoli back on the podcast. Doug is former Mr. Universe. He is the author of The Physics of Resistance Exercise, which is an excellent book that I have read multiple times. It has a ton, a ton of great information in it. And today we're talking about the abs. We're talking about some myths around the abs. We talk about kind of spot treating the lower abs. And we also get into an interesting discussion about how the anatomy of the abs will lend itself to certain exercises over others. So although this episode is short and sweet, I think it is packed with really good information and lots of kind of myth busting. So I hope you enjoy. Here's Doug. Can you target the upper abs versus the lower abs? Okay. Good question. Very good question. Because, you know, if you were to Google lower abs, you'll get like 35 million searches right? So people want to know, right? The first thing I would say to someone when they say to me, you know, how do I work the lower abs? I would say, why do you want to work the lower abs? And there's usually one of two reasons or both that they give me. They either say, well, I have fat down there. I want to get rid of the fat that's down there. And so then I say, so you believe in spot reduction. Now they know they're not supposed to believe in spot reduction. So they usually say, well, no, I don't believe in spot reduction, but I was just thinking that maybe I can tone so you think you can take the fat and make it harder or you can like convert it into <laughs> muscle or something. It's like, it's just a storage tank. That's all it is. You either add to or subtract from, you can't harden it and you can't convert it. You can either just add to it or subtract from it. So, and that's impossible because the muscle that's working can't reach next door to the neighboring fat. Because number one, there's no access to it. Number two, what's on the other side is adipose tissue. It's not free fatty acids. And the body burns free fatty acids. So whatever we store as body fat has to first be converted from an adipose to a free fatty acid. And that doesn't happen locally. It happens systemically. So when you are in a calorie deficit and you need to use your fat stores, your whatever muscles happen to be working at the time, send a systemic message to the adipose tissue everywhere in the body. And, and it says, send or, or convert tiny, tiny, tiny amounts of the adipose tissue in your area to a free fatty acid and put it into the bloodstream and it'll travel to me, the working muscle. Okay, so you can't spot reduce. The second reason is they say, well, I have a four pack right now and I'd like to have a six pack or an eight pack. And I say, okay, so A, you're lean enough to see what you have. Is that right? Yes, I'm lean. I can see that I have a four pack. And I want more notches. Okay, well, those notches, those dividers that you see there, those are called um, tendinous intersections. They're tendons, basically. They've been there since the day you were born. You can't add or subtract tendons, just like you can add another Achilles tendon, right? So whatever you have as your configuration for the abs is what you will always have. All you can do is make the muscle that's between those tendinous intersections a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker so that it looks like the valleys are deeper, right? It's basically hills and valleys, right? So that's all you're trying to do is trying to increase the contrast, right? So when someone's got deep abs, they've got chunky ab muscles and it makes it look like the notches are deeper. So, so number one, you even if you could work the lower abs, nothing could change down there. You can't change the fat. You can't change the musculature. You can't. But the other thing, too, is it only has one origin and one insertion. It starts at the pubic bone of the pelvis. It connects to the rib cage. 
And any muscle that contracts, contracts from origin to insertion. So imagine two men pulling on a rope like a tug of war. It doesn't matter if the guy on the right's winning or the guy on the left's winning. The tension throughout the rope is going to be even, right? Because there's nothing underneath the rope. There's nothing underneath the muscle that grabs it in the middle and, and, and creates a different tension on one end than another end. The third thing is, um, you know, if you look at a spine from the side, or you look at a you know anatomy chart from the side, look at the spine, you can see that it has curves, right? So there's the cervical curve, there's a thoracic curve, and then there's a lumbar curve. Well, the lumbar curve curves back. The thoracic curve curves to the front. So whenever the abdominal muscles contract, the part of the spine that contracts that bends the most is a thoracic part. That happens to be right across the upper abs. Right. In other words, nature designed our body so that you if you were able to to curl your tailbone under as far, if you were able to bend forward that lumbar spine as far as you can, the thoracic spine, you would damage it. Right. So that's why those notches are there. Those notches. Obviously, logically, those notches are there to diminish the amount of muscle contraction that happens lower and lower on the spine so that you don't damage the spine. So interesting. Isn't it fascinating? It's, it's basically nature's way of creating hinge points higher up because that's how our skeleton is right. designed. And they've done studies, by the way, it didn't matter what exercise you did. You could do leg raises, you could do roller wheel, you could do crunch, it didn't matter. The upper rows always contracted with a higher intensity than the lower rows. That's just nature. Now, can you develop better upper motor neuron connection to the lower segments and contract them more effectively during your ab exercises? Well, what you're indirectly asking me is um, if instead of bringing my rib cage towards my pelvis, would it matter if I brought my, my pelvis towards my rib cage? And no, I more mean just like, can you, like you're saying the, the upper abs, well, I guess they just mechanically have more ability to contract. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. You can, yeah. Okay. And, and, and you can't control it because because the muscle, imagine that you are a muscle and you have no eyes and you have no ears. You're connected on the left side, you're connected on the right side. And your boss, your owner, <laughs> is telling you to contract. And all you know is that the two ends are coming closer together. You don't know which end came toward which end. Right. right. That's why it's very funny when you say, well, I'm going to do a, an, an abdominal crunch, which means I'm going to stabilize my hips and my legs. I'm going to bring my rib cage towards my pelvis. Then I'm going to stabilize my upper body and I'm going to bring my legs and my pelvis up toward my rib cage. It's like the muscle doesn't know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's just shortening. Fact, That's all it's doing. Right. And in fact, it could be potentially more strain on discs or lumbar spine if you're doing well, it. I have way. to throw this out. If you're doing leg raises for the abs, not only is it not stimulating your abs differently, it's also interfering with the function of the abs, because since the abs do not raise the legs, you have to say, well, what muscle does? The primary muscle that does one of the five, the primary hip flexor muscle, it's just called the psoas, originates on the lumbar spine. So as soon as that muscle starts to pull up on the legs, it starts to pull forward on the lumbar spine, trying to get you to arch your lower back. But the abdominal muscles are trying to flex, to trying to do the opposite, trying to flex your spine forward. So you're actually putting a tug of war in place where these two muscles are 
basically competing for their opposite preferred spinal position and neither one actually wins. Right. And that's why that exercise feels so quote unquote hard is because it's your body kind of fighting against itself. Completely. It's a tug of war, you know, and and then you could say, well, I do feel something in my abs. And I would say, well, yeah, because if your abs weren't there and your hip flexors were pulling your legs forward, your spine would kick back for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction, right? So there's something that's keeping your tailbone from kicking back when you kick your legs forward. And that's the abs. So the abs are stabilizing the, the, the spine while another muscle does the primary work. But if you're going to call that an, uh, an ab exercise, even though the abs are only stabilizing, then what you should do is you should call standing barbell curls a lower back exercise because your lower back is keeping you upright while your biceps are doing the curling. It's ridiculous. You can't call the yeah. stabilizing exercise the target. This makes total sense. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode, short but sweet. And if you want to check out Doug, check out his book called The Physics of Resistance Exercise. You can find it on Amazon. You could also find him on his website, dougbrignoli.com. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.